Colossians chapter 2, and just before I, I read this, I want to just again make mention to you and I that the word that God gave us for this year was to move forward. Everybody, let's say that together. Move forward. Not backwards, not to the side. We're not going to just be stale. We're going in the forward direction. Your life is to be going in the forward direction. So whatever, whatever's been stagnating you, whatever's been holding you back, whatever you've been kind of just, oh, here, here I am, I just can't seem to be getting anywhere, that's not God's plan and His will for your life. His desire is that you continue to move forward, so it's time to break free, and we do that by talking about what we're talking about today. Getting rooted in the Word of God, getting established in the Word of God. And so that's what we see in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. It says this, And now, just as you've accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, it says you must continue to follow Him. You guys got those verses? They should be up there. If not, you guys got your Bibles with you? All right, you got your Bibles? I got your phones. Oh, yeah, I see that. But it says you must continue to follow Him. And then He says, let your roots. Everybody say roots. Come on, say it like you mean it. It's Sunday. Roots. Uh, verse 7. Just oh. let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now I want to just, again, with this series that we've been talking about, getting rooted and talking about grace and faith, I do not want to go too fast on this for the very reason because this is what I find is the greatest question that I get from people, whatever they go, is how do I have a relationship with God Almighty? How do I do this? It is through grace and faith. This is the conversation that you have a relationship with God. It's by grace through faith. So we have to understand this is how it works. It doesn't say by grace through break, begging. It doesn't say by works and, my, and God's grace. It's by grace and trusting. That's how this whole relationship thing works here. And so now in order to properly get rooted and established in the Word of God, we talked last week real briefly, does anybody remember, how do I get rooted? How do I get my life built on Him? How do I get it established on Him? What do I got to do? Number one is, that's why we're definitely going over this again. We are making a quality decision. Everybody say this with me, a quality decision. Now I hope that I'm, you're not just coming to church just to hear something cute so that I, you can say, oh, I did my time. We want to come here so that we can actually take something from the Word of God and apply it to our lives. That's the whole purpose of what the Word is for, so that we can take the Word and we can now apply it to our life and we can see the Word actually working for us. Anybody ever seen the Word working for them? Anybody seen fruit from their life? That's, that's the name of the game is results. Anybody want results? Yes. If this sound system didn't work and we spent $52,000 on send it back. I want to see results. I want to feel the base. Did anybody feel it this morning? Ah, oh, man. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, we had to turn it down for some of y'all. We're pumping this thing, man. It can, it can knock your socks off. But the same way with the Lord. I want results in my life. So how do I see that? Here's the quality decision that you have to make. That what God says in His Word is my final authority. I'm going to take what God says and that's it. I believe it. That settles it. So it's to live only by what God says and that His Word is my source for life. Because listen, everybody's got a source. Everybody is making decisions off of something, right? So let me ask you this question. Who is calling the shots in your life? Why do you make the calls that you call? Why do you make the decisions that you do? Is it based on finances? Is it based on job? Is it based on this is would be good for my family? Is it why are you calling the decisions that you're making? 
It has to be established in the Word of God and letting the Spirit of God lead and direct you in it. So you have to make that quality decision. If you don't do that, all of what I'm going to be saying next is, doesn't mean nothing. Right? That's a good fart sound. It really comes clear. I can hear it. <laughs> okay. And the reason why, again, we're talking about the Word of God, because everybody lives by some truth. Everybody's got some truth that they're living by. And the thing about truth, there can only be one truth. You know, the real phrase that's kind of really wrecking culture and society is, my truth. Well, this is truth for me. Does that make it true? Not necessarily. There's got to be a truth that you and I can base our life on. And thank God that is the Word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, here, it's not Saturday, says this, all Scripture, everybody say all, all Scripture, every single part of it is inspired by God. Other translations you may have, it says it's God-breathed. And now what is the Word of God for? What is the Word of God for, in your lap for? When you spend time in the Word of God, what does the Word of God, what's its purpose for your and my life? It's there, it is useful to teach us what is true. And then, what else does it do? It makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. Anybody enjoy that? <laughs> Not real popular in today's culture, but I'm honestly taking on the idea that I need to be taught what is true. I need to be corrected because I'm not right in everything. You know, God does not talk to smart people. <laughs> no, I just had an itch. I'm not trying to... <laughs> but really, if you think about it, does God talk to people who think they know it all? No, He doesn't do that. So if I take on the attitude of saying, Lord, I don't know it all, teach me. He will gladly impart His wisdom to you. He will gladly show you ways out. He will gladly reveal truth to you. Why? Because I'm taking on the attitude of, I need help. Let's just say that together. I need help. Feels good. I don't know it all. Let's say that one. I don't know it all. Look at your wife and say, you don't know it all and look at your husband's I guess <laughs> right it's both ways <laughs> sorry a little personal information came out <laughs> oh, all I need is Jesus and Jamie and I'm totally fine <laughs> it teaches us what is true and it makes us realize what is wrong in our lives notice this the word of God corrects us when we are wrong aren't you grateful for this that God doesn't send trials and tribulations when you're wrong this is a mindset people have. If I'm doing bad things, then God's going to whoop me and do something with me. No. God is going to use what? His word to correct you when you are wrong, and then again to teach you to do what is right. So God is not sending any sickness. God is not sending any troubles your way. That is not a good God. Our good God uses His word to train you and I. And then verse 17, it says God uses what? His word? Everybody say it. His word? God uses the Word. So that what you got on your phone there is very, very precious. If you got a Bible in your lap, this is the most precious commodity that you have. Is God uses that book right there to prepare and equip you to do every good work. So God isn't using, again, trials and persecutions to train you, to equip you to do every good work. He uses His Word. So if we're not spending quality time in the Word, how do you know what's true? What are we going to do? We're going to rely on what we feel is right. But again, we got to go back to what is practical, what is principle, what is the truth. If the Word of God says this, then it is wrong or it is true. Because if you look at today, everybody's got an opinion. 
especially in the political realm. Right? I don't know if you've seen a lot of things that are going on. People talking about abortions. And they, oh, you know, it's not really a baby until so-and-so. Are you stupid? They're making all these ideas of what it is and what it's not. It, it, to, the, to the world out there, they think they're so intelligent and so smart because they got a PhD in front of their name. You look at the Word of God, the Bible says you're stupid. It's foolishness that you even think that. So we have to go to what the Word of God says to find out what is true. So it's not a political debate that we got going on. It's simply, do we go with light, truth, or darkness? That's all that it is. It's truth and truth in lies. That's all that God's working with. To equip His people to do every good work. So again, we have to open up the book. I believe it for the church at large. We have to just get back to some simple Bible reading. <laughs> it's so easy. Just, you know, Instagram. I'm going to check my feed. I'm going to check my likes. Stop. Put it away. Let's start opening, get back to the truth. Because when I open that book, truth now becomes real to me. I can actually start seeing where I need correction in my life. Right? Okay. Glad I got three uh-huhs on that. <clears throat> so, now what we talked about in Colossians chapter 1 is that you've been transformed. And I don't ever want you and I to get comfortable with these verses. But I have been translated. I've been transformed. I've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness. Look at Colossians 1.13 again. It says, for we have been rescued. Let's say that together. I have been rescued. How many of you are thankful for that? Oh, man, I'm thankful. How many of you have been rescued even from a natural thing? Maybe somebody saved you from something, a car wreck or whatever. You've been rescued from a wreck. Why aren't you grateful that you've been rescued at that point? Right? Well, how much more your eternal destiny has been changed because someone rescued you from it? Man, so I don't ever want these verses to get too common to you and I. Colossians 1 verse 13, it says, For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and He has transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son, who purchased our freedom, and He forgave our sins. So if I'm out, and now I'm in, and what did I leave when I was in the kingdom of darkness? What did I leave? I don't hear anything, sorry. What? Darkness. Lies. Sickness. Poverty, disease, everything in that darkness, I've left it. What was my nature in this kingdom? I was a sinner, big capital S sinner. But now it says I've been translated out of that kingdom, and now I'm in a brand new kingdom. What, do I have, what am I now in this kingdom? Am I still a sinner over here? No, who am I now? I am who? The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That old man, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, that old man is dead and gone. It says, Behold, the fresh and the new has come. You are not a sinner anymore. Say, I'm not a sinner anymore. That's good news. I'm out of that kingdom. And since I'm out, I'm in. But now in this kingdom, I can't live in that old lifestyle. Not only in that old lifestyle, but there's a whole new way of living. God has given you and I an opportunity to live life like He lives it, and it's by faith. This is how God lives. This is how He operates. He's given out you and I an opportunity to live the faith life. Isn't that exciting? So you're not just limited to the five physical senses. You're not limited to what you see, think, or feel. You have now been given an opportunity to see life the way God sees it, which is by faith. That's how this kingdom operates, and that's how you and I are called to operate. We read it in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. We read it, Romans, go to Romans chapter 1 verse 17. I actually want to stop here for a moment. But in all these verses, Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17, 1 
Galatians 3.11 and Hebrews 10.38, they all say the same thing, that the just shall live, how? By faith. This is not a suggestion. This is not when you get around to it. This is your lifestyle now. And it's not a, and I'll preface it with this, this is not a denomination. So again, what I'm talking to you about is not the denomination that I grew up in, so therefore I'm preaching my denomination. I'm not preaching it, I'm preaching the Word of God. I've preached this in a brethren church. I've preached this at young adult conferences. This is how the body of Christ, God has called you out of darkness into light. He says the just shall live by faith. This is our lifestyle. This is how we respond. This is how we talk. This is how we should be thinking. This is how we should be speaking. This is how we respond to the circumstances of life is by faith. This is how we do it, right? You know, I, I, I think I mentioned this before, but I was watching uh, a basketball game a little while ago, and uh, the sports commentator was interviewing this basketball player, and uh, he was just kind of asking, you know, those sports commentators, when they ask questions to these players, they're really stupid questions, like, so what did you think about the game today? It was great. What was your favorite part of it when we won? Oh, and uh, do you like your jersey color? Yeah, that's all right. Like, it doesn't really show off on how intelligent these guys are. But this one guy was just talking about, man, like, like this commentator was explaining to him, man, you guys were passing the ball so nicely and eloquently. Man, it's, man you're passing it give and goes, and you had these slam dunks, alley It was amazing. And the basketball player just looked, it's what we do, man. It's what we do. <laughs> I actually looked at that and I thought, yeah, that's, yeah. And I said, the just shall live by faith. That's what we do, man. It's what we do. Say it with me. This is what we do, man. Come on, put some uh into it. Like, this is what we do. The spirit of white chocolate got to come on all of you. This is what we do, man. It's what we do. The just shall live how? By faith. This is just our response. So the moment something comes at you, your first response is in faith, in trusting God. This is what God says. I declare this. This is how we got to train ourselves. But I want you just to see it. Verse, let's look at this here. It says, for in the righteousness of God, talking about in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus, that's talking about in it, for in the good news of Jesus, the righteousness of God is what? How? From faith to faith. So what's he saying here? You know, understanding and walking with the Lord doesn't make you, doesn't mean that you have to be very studious. Oh, I've got to study in order to get all this knowledge. Faith is not knowledge. Faith is an attitude. It's of the heart. It's not of the head. It's not, I've got to accumulate more knowledge than I'm walking by faith. Far from it. I've met a lot of smart people with no faith. <laughs> so what is faith? Faith is of the heart. So what, is, what, this, what he's saying here, it's revealed from faith to faith. Meaning, every time we even come to this scripture, you could get more revelation based on your attitude towards it. Right? Where does, where does faith begin? Where does all this knowledge begin? It doesn't come with knowing how much. It comes from the fear of the Lord, which is reverence and awe, respect for God. Every time you open His Word, oh, I've read Romans 1.17 so many times, and I've heard it, and I've heard it, and I've heard it. If you go in with that attitude, are you thinking you're going to get more from it? No. So how do you think you're going to get more out of it? Is when you look, show me, Lord. Lord, I'm hungry to see something that I haven't seen before. The result is, He reveals it to you from faith to faith. So you may have read this scripture a thousand times, but if you come in with the attitude of going, Lord, I'm, I'm hungry to see something that I haven't seen before, He will connect it to you in such a way that go, oh, He opens it up in a whole brand new way. It all depends on attitude. So people could be saying, well, you've already talked about this last week. Guess what? You're not going to get anything out of it. 
But if we come in with the attitude going, oh man, Lord, show me. I'm hungry. I want the inside. I want to see this more and more. The result is God's going to reveal more because he reveals it from faith to faith. Okay. All right. I'm glad we're all on the same page. But this is what we're talking about. The just shall live by faith. Why faith? Now, I'm, I'm not going to go over this for time's sake, but I really want to make sure that we're all on the same page. But why faith? There was three things that we talked about. Number one is, it's how God himself functions. Right? We talked about creation. And what did God do? God said, and then he saw. God spoke it, and then he saw it. So every, I mean, God looked at darkness, and he didn't go, shoot, it's dark. <laughs> Blast. No, what did he do? Light be. And what happened? Light came. Oh, yeah. That's even better. Yeah. Animals be, and there you go. And we talked about, I know last week, just recently, my wife forced me to watch My Big Fat Greek Wedding too. It's phenomenal. So if you haven't seen it, it's a really good movie. And if your wife's been forcing you to watch it for a long time, just watch it. I mean, it please her and then enjoy a few chuckles on your own. But there's this Greek guy and he constantly says, you know, uh, give, me a, give me a word and I'll prove to you that it comes from the Greek. Right? And so you give all the words and so he says, oh, that word, okay, that, that word comes from this Greek word, which means this and this, that. So there you go. And so that's what we constantly say. So God said it, so there you go. And that's the attitude we got to take on. God said, let there be whales in the ocean. There you go. God says, let us make man in our image to be just like us. There you go. So that's how God is. When God says it, he acts as if it's already done. There you go. <laughs> right? So Romans 4, 17, I want you again just to see it. This is talking about Abraham. But God used this man Abraham to make a whole generation of faith people. And that's us. Through this 99-year-old man, God said to him, I have made you. Let's say that together. I have made you. God didn't say, oh, Abraham, one day I'm going to make you the father of many nations. You just hang in there. Don't die on me. I will make you a father of many nations. No, he didn't say future tense. He says it now. I have made you the father of many nations. Now, why is that so important? We need to understand the tense that God speaks to us in. He doesn't talk to us in future tense unless he's talking to us about hope, which is, man, we are excited because one day there's mansions made for us in heaven. That gives us hope about it. But when God speaks to you and I on a regular basis, he says, by my stripes, you're healed. That's not someday in the calendar year. That's not someday when, you know, you got, maybe you've got somebody that has the, the gifts of miracles working in their ministry. No, that's right now. So when we see it, look, I want you to see this. I've called you and made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead. And what does God do? He calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So are there things in your life that are not quite there yet? Then God maybe be saying, I'm calling them there. So what do I got to do? Do I have to hook up with what God says? Or am I going to go based on how I feel and what it looks like out here? God says, by his stripes, you are healed. Yeah, but I don't look healed. I don't feel healed. This is where the conversation gets messed up. God says, you're healed. You go, I don't know how that's going to work. It doesn't look like it. The conversation now has been broken. Don't argue with them. Yeah, but I'm not seeing it yet. And this is what we're going to be talking about in a little bit. We have to learn to fight. Right? Because as far as God's concerned, what does He say? It's a done deal. How does God talk to you and I? He calls those things which do not exist as though they did. As though, there you go. 
By my stripes you're healed. There you go. Oh, but I'm not seeing it. He already said, there you go. So that's it. Right? You ha we have to understand how God works. So that's number one, is we have to understand that this is how our Father functions. He functions this way. Can you see that? Okay, and if you didn't, don't understand that, you can watch last week's session. We went into great depth somewhere. Number two. Ah, there's so much in this. Ah, we'll just go. Number two. Faith is the only way to please God. Can we say that together? Faith is the only way to please God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I want you to see this. It says, by faith. Oh, no, go to verse 6. Without faith. Did I say without faith? It is hard to please God. Oh, what? Sorry? It is impossible. Everybody say impossible. It's impossible. That means it can't be done. It is impossible to please God. For one who comes to God must believe that He is, and He must believe that He, that he rewards those who diligently seek Him. Do you believe that about Him? You have to have that belief system. We talked this last week. Anybody in the world that wants to come into the kingdom of God, they must believe this truth. And they must believe what? That Jesus died and God raised him from the dead. Then what happens? You are in. You can't just think, oh, I, I have my own belief system. No, no, the Bible says you must believe this. Well, the same way, you must believe this about God. That he is... And He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So what does it mean that He is? It means that He is iser, not wazer, or someday gonna beer. That God is today who He says He is. He is the healer. When? Come on, when is God the healer? Now, when does He restore your soul? Come on, you need to hear this. When does He do it? Now. When does He provide for all your needs? Now. Now, not when you finally see it, that, that comes after. You have to believe this first, then you start to see it working in your life, right? So that's first, you must believe that He is, not someday going to be, or He was this way. And then secondly, you have to believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You spent any time in the Word of God, I'm expecting God to reward me for it. Right? I'm not in, it's not that I'm entitled to it, but this is what I believe about our God. He is a generous giver. And a lot of people think God's withholding from them because they're not doing enough. That's not it. He's a reward of them that seek Him. Think about that for a moment. So anytime you spend with God, guess what? It's going to do you good. Not only in that time, spiritually speaking, but even in days that come, it's going to do you very good. I'm so thankful that, man, I spent time seeking the Lord in my later teen years, early 20s. I used to come here late nights. I would spend four to five hours on my own in nighttime in this building. Pretty creepy back in the day. <laughs> so I remember walking around in the basement because I also did janitorial work here too. So I'd be, you know, doing my mopping, doing my sweeping and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I'd be praying in tongues downstairs while I'm sweeping because you hear creaks, you hear noises, and it's just, uh, why is this here? And I mean, there'd be times I'll be walking with a pool cue and all of a sudden you heal a little, like a door hinge knock. So you just go in there, soak it up my mind, and you just have a stick and nobody's there. Ah, oh, praise the Lord, everything's good. I'm fine, I'm good, I'm good. But there's that, you got, I want to just, like this is something I've been asking the Lord, like where is this love for Jesus? Where, where is this love, this passion for Jesus? Because I tell you, if you just had stir up love for Him, it'll solve a lot of people's lives. Instead, they're just looking for handouts. God, I need this. God, I need that. God is looking for a relationship. Where are those hungry, hungry people? Same way you got hungry, hungry hippos. 
just tap that thing out. I'm looking for hungry, hungry Christians. So you just tap them, and all they want to do is, I want more of God. I want more of God. I want more of God. They just take all the balls that they get in. Right? They're looking like this. Where are the hungry bunch? That'd be a good response. Yeah, I'm right here. <laughs> Where are they? I don't know. I haven't seen them either. <laughs> but I think in order to, for God to do anything in this earth, he doesn't just do it, oh, I'm going to just, you know, do something amazing over here. He's attracted. He comes down where hungry people want him. The same way rain comes out of clouds, they're drawn out by gravity. The same way that you and I experiencing the presence of God is by faith. Lord, I want you. Right, singing these songs, I'm desperate for you, Jesus. I want more of you, Jesus. And a lot of those times we sing those songs in emotion, and that's okay. That's fine. But if there's no faith attached to it, what are we doing? Now we've got to just pity party at the front and be like, God, I just want you. I, just want, I need you. My life's a mess. Yeah, it is a mess. And it'll continue to be a mess until you apply faith. This is what God said. I am hooking onto that. What can I hook onto? James 4. I'm going to come close to you, God. You're going to come close to me. I believe that. So, Lord, I say, I'm desperate for you, God. I want you. Based on what? Based on what he said in his word. That's my own little tangent. But I, I, want us, I want that to be this church. This is who we are. That we are known for our faith in God. And we are known for our love amongst each other. Anybody else want to be known for that? Or did anybody want to be known as this is the mean church? A few people are thinking about it. Right? <laughs> yeah, they got a great sound system. But boy, they sure are mean. Nailed it. Nailed it. No, we, we're looking. We are. You belong here. It's not just talk. You're supposed to feel that. Anyways. There, there you go. <clears throat> the third thing we talked about real briefly is if I don't live by faith, I frustrate the grace of God. He's the greatest giver of all time. And if I'm not, if he's not able to get it to me, man, you may be frustrated. I'm not seeing it. He's frustrated, not able to get it to you. So I want you to see God. He's like, I'm trying to get this to you. I'm trying to give it to you. And you're just going, God, I want this. I need this. And he's like, here it is. And you may go, why am I not seeing it? He's going, why aren't you taking it? So I want you to see that it's not, he's not mad at you for not getting it. He's trying to go, I'm trying to get it to you, baby. Let me get it to you. This is who our God is. So I want you to perceive him that way. And so what I want to share a little bit with you this morning in our little bit of time is that what we need to know about the faith life is that we need to be fighters. Everybody say it with me, I'm a fighter. <laughs> Can I be that in the Christian walk? You better be. <laughs> oh, I'm, not, I'm more of a lover, not a fighter. Well, you're going to get your butt kicked in the kingdom of God. Because it says in the word of God that the violent and the righteous, they take it by force. You have to take the promises of God. And I said it last week, and I'm believing God for utterance as I go into this more. But man, you cannot be Canadian and be in the kingdom. I don't mean that to diss our culture. I think we're a very polite culture and we're, very, we're a friendly culture and that's great. But now that we've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness, you're in the kingdom of God as your son, that's first. Secondly, yeah, I'm born in Canada. But I'm not going to let my personality, I'm not going to let my culture that I grew up in dictate how I operate in the kingdom of God because that is robbing a lot of people. I think there have been times even in here people just want to express their trust in God say, oh, but I don't want to look stupid. Who cares? Nobody's looking at you anyway. Really, nobody gives a rip what you do. <laughs> so you cannot be Canadian and fight at the same time. Because we'll just go, oh, devil, okay, if that's what you want to do, okay, I guess you can just take my life. If you don't fight, 
by default, you are getting your butt kicked. And maybe you're not seeing things in your life because you haven't learned how to fight. So this morning, we're going to talk about fighting. Anybody interested in fighting? <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> hold on. Before we get too excited. Man, I, are you serious? Pastor said I could fight? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to stir it up. Let's go to Walmart right now. I'm not talking that necessarily. Although, I would like to do that if I was fleshing out. I would like to do something like that. But uh, I want you to go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I want you to see this, but you need to be a fighter. Again, this has nothing to do personality. This has nothing to do with my preference. This is kingdom living. And before we even talk about what faith is, we have to lay some of this groundwork. I have got to know these things about faith before I actually can enter this lifestyle. You've got to know this stuff. In the very beginning of 1 Timothy 6, 12, he says, Fight what? The good fight of faith. So just because you're a Christian, how many Christians have we got in the house? <laughs> just because you're a Christian does not mean that life is now easy for you. Does not mean that, oh, life is just going to be paved out perfectly for you. In fact, now that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've got a nice pretty bullseye on your back, and the devil's trying to take you out, your witness out. He'll do everything he possibly can because he does not want you proclaiming and start talking about what God is doing for you or what he has done for you and what he's going to do for you. So he's trying to shut the church up. And listen, church, we cannot be quiet. We have to talk about what we know and what we've seen. We have to proclaim it. All right, so how do we do that? By fighting. It says, fight the good fight of faith in the conflict of evil. Anybody like conflict in the house? <laughs> My nine, no, I'll do anything, just don't have conflict. <laughs> Can't we all just get along? Sadly, no. <laughs> and again, I'm not talking people-wise. In conflict with evil. And then he says, what does it say? What does it mean to take hold? Grab it. Take hold of what? Eternal life. And now you kind of look at that and go, oh, eternal life. How do I grab hold of my eternal life? It doesn't just mean am I living forever. It means of the promises and of the word of the word of God. Grab hold of the word of God, which is eternal life. Right? Jesus said this in John 73. Eternal life is to know you. So eternal life is not just I'm going to live forever. That's true. But it's not just that in my length of life. It's also in my quality from knowing him. So when he says, take hold of eternal life, take hold of the word, take hold of what he's promised you, take hold of what he's revealed to you, hold on to that. Because this is a real cute Christian phrase that goes along, let go and let God. It's real nice. And people can post it and get probably 30 likes on it, just like that. <laughs> and even though if you're letting go of your anxiety, you're letting go of sin, you're letting go of, you know, anger that you have towards somebody, that's good. It let God put the love of God in you. But a lot of times that's kind of mentioned in, if you just can't do anything, let go and let God. Can I just burst that spiritual bubble for a bit? That means nothing. When I read it here, I don't see let go and just hold on for eternal life. No, he says fight the good fight of faith, lay hold or take hold of the promises of God. I got to hold on to it, right? So say, I got to fight. I don't think we're quite ready to fight yet. I got to fight. Because listen, everybody's going to be going through stuff. You need to know this for when the battle comes. Because listen, battles come to everybody. 
Then I want you to go for a moment to John 10. But why do I have to fight? Why? Can't I just sing a cute song and come to church Sunday and just, oh, raise a hallelujah? Like, can I just do that? Yeah, that's, that's great. But listen, we live in the very dangerous area. This planet that we're on is the most dangerous planet in our universe, our known universe. Anybody else would agree with me on that? It is dangerous. Why is it dangerous? Because there is an enemy. His name is Satan, the devil. He is on this earth doing his best to cause problems. And you see it right here. The thief's purpose is to do what? When does he do this? Does the devil sleep? No, he is constantly looking to do this. So if we're not ready to fight, his, he's going to just ruin our lives and we're not even aware of it. And it doesn't just come in all of a sudden one big... It comes with small little things that come up at a time. Because nobody comes into a bad place just like that. It's slow little things that come in. Over time, he starts to get in. He starts to get in. Then all of a sudden, you give him an inch, he's got a foot. Now he's a little bit further in it. And over time, all of a sudden, you look back, how on earth am I here? It's because we've given him access. The devil cannot do anything on this earth unless he has permission. 1 John chapter 3, I believe it's verse 8, it says that the Son of God, Jesus, he came to this earth to do what? to destroy and if you look at that Greek word destroy it literally means to obliterate he has got nothing everybody say it with me nothing the devil has nothing at all no power he's not able to do anything unless he's given permission and the moment he has permission this is what he's trying to do he is trying to steal he's trying to kill and he's trying to destroy but thank God Jesus said I have come that you say me that I may have life to the full till it overflows. This is why he came. And in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says here, what are the first two words? Stay alert. Why? We're in a war. I mean, anybody ever been in a natural war? I mean, my cousin, my cousin here, he's, he's been in a few wars. And actually, he phoned me from Iraq. And all of a sudden, remember, remember you phoned me that one morning? It was super early for you, and I don't know what time it was for me. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, Josh, what's that noise? And you're like, sirens are going off. Oh, yeah, they're just throwing missiles or something overhead. Yeah, it was a great call. It was a great conversation. <laughs> but I mean, he just he gave me a call, and I'm like, no, like seriously, I'm gonna, and I'm like, what's going on? Is it something going on right here? What's happening? Is Saskatchewan trying to bomb us? What's going on? And all of a sudden, here, like he's in Iraq, and all of a sudden, these things are taking place. He's like, oh yeah, it's uh, it's they're just you know shooting off some missiles. They live in an actual war, so for them, constantly. Did you have your gun with you? Oh yeah, he's constantly alert, always on guard. But for the Christian world that we're living in, how many know that we are in a war? So he's telling us, stay alert. What does that mean? Constantly be aware. Watch out what's going on. Be sensitive to these types of things. A lot of times we go, man, that person sure messed up. It's more to it than that. Be alert. Why? Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. What does he do? He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. This is all he's looking for. Now, we've got to take this seriously. He's a loser. He's defeated. Absolutely. But at the same time, he's very good at what he does. He is the enemy. We have an enemy of our soul. And he is after what you've got. And unless you are alert, he may come in. And you aren't even realizing it. So we have to be on guard. So now, again, I want to answer this. But who are we fighting? <clears throat> yes, the devil. Ephesians chapter 6. Go there for a sec. 
But aren't you grateful that God, even though we have this enemy, even though he's out here to steal, kill, and to destroy, he has not left us. He has not left us orphans. We have the greater one who lives on the inside of us. Yeah, that was the time to shout. That, that's, that's the good news. You got God on the inside of you. He's there. He's strong. And greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. No matter what goes on out here, the God, my God, the one on the inside of me, is greater than anything that takes place out here. So, says this, Ephesians chapter 6, and even though my God is great, my God is good, my God, He can't do what I'm supposed to do. He can't do my job. My job is to stay alert. My job is to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of what He told me. So I want you to see it from Ephesians chapter 6. It says a final word, be strong. Everybody say, be strong. Not be wimpy. Be strong. This is the church of Jesus. Anybody, you got Jesus on the inside of you. So what does he say? Be strong. How? Where? Who? In the Lord. And in his mighty power. How do I do that? i got to get in the word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Then he says, put on. Anybody put on their clothes this morning? Thank you. The same way you put on clothes is the same way you put on this armor. Instead of just, uh, you can't actually, you got to put it on by speaking this. You put on God's armor so that God will be able to stand firm against the devil. No, what does it say? So that me, so that I will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Now, what are his strategies? How does the devil operate? This is the thing we got to know. How does he operate? How does the devil do it? His strategies are to cause you and I to fear and to doubt that what God said is actually going to come to pass. That's his only tactic. The devil can't just come up to you and slap you and say, ah, I got you. No, what does he do? He throws ideas at you. He throws thoughts at you. And if you take hold of the thought and you hang on to it and you start speaking that thought, now he's got access into your life. Can you see that? In the Garden of Eden... What did, what did he tell the, what did, uh, the serpent say to Eve? Did God really say? Right? And what happened? Now listen, Eve was deceived. And I mean, they, they had full functions of their brain. So the devil is very good at this. Don't think, oh, that doesn't happen to me. You'd be surprised. I've got caught in it too. He says some certain, it even comes in the sounds of, does anybody really love you? Like, look what this person said to you. Does anybody really give a care about what you do? Oh, you're right. And then you start going down this very dangerous cycle and go, yeah, and then they said this to me, and then they, they said that to me. And all of a sudden, people are going, what are you talking about, man? What's wrong with you? Right? And, and it's just very subtle. And all of a sudden, oh, man, I, you know, this person said this about me, and they didn't like my Facebook post, and they didn't like my Instagram post, and they didn't tag me. And all of a sudden, people start going down this dark hole. And it's, it's you're surprised. I've had conversations with people, and they're offended over something that who, Lord knows what. What is wrong with you? is what I want to say, but I go, oh, you should really talk to the Lord about that. You need help. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> Before I gave you my counseling. That's why I don't really counsel a whole lot. Uh, verse 12. 
<laughs> so notice this. For we are not fighting. Now, I know we know these verses, but we got to hear this. Our problem is not Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And people bashing him does absolutely nothing. It does nothing. Except what does it do? It fuels your anger. Listen to some. I'm, I'm serious. Do I agree with everything he does? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do I agree with a lot of the things? No, not at all. But what am I called to do? I am called, according to what the Word says, to pray for the man. Right? Do I agree the things to do this? Absolutely not. So what I got to do? I got to put my flesh down and go, Lord, I lift up Prime Minister Trudeau to you. Let's just do that for a moment. Lord, we lift up Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his family to your throne room of grace. Father, we bless this man. We speak peace. We speak strength. We speak wisdom over him in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that you right now are surrounding him, protecting him, guarding him and his family from all harm, from all evil, and from danger in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. See, just by doing that, what does it do? It just, oh, he's a man. Have you ever missed it? Well, not me. <laughs> But he really messed up. No, no, no. If you just start praying over them, what happens? The love of God starts to fill your heart. And at the same time, now God has access into the government. Rather than us just freaking out and saying whatever we want to say. Oh, Prime Minister Trudeau made this and he does this. What good did that do except you made a few other Christians now angry. And we're here to reach the world. But how can we? We're too busy angry at Justin Trudeau. I'm absolutely serious. Christians, you are, sometimes they're just weird. Why do we do that? Because we got to be heard. That's not how you be heard. Want to know how you be heard? Is you lift up people. People can talk about what they're against all day long. What are you for? What are you for? I am for life. So those are things that I want to be vocal about, not just, oh, I'm this and that and the other. I am for God. I am for the gospel going forth. That's what I'm for. And that's how we connect people. That's how we connect churches, Christians. <laughs> And where do you get all that from? You get that from the Bible. So again, what does it do? It corrects us when we're wrong. Because listen, I joined the train before. I've been mad at liberals a lot of times. Why do you just say whatever you got to say? But does that do anything? No, it just got me more angry. And then I looked at more videos, which got me more angry. And all of a sudden, I don't know where to go because if I put it on Facebook, oh, I'm a public figure and I might be, oh, you know, somebody not going to like that. Now I'm just angry within myself and now I can't eat my vector cereal in peace because I'm mad. <laughs> Here's my little tangent. <laughs> So what did I do? I said, I'm going to turn all that stuff off. I'm going to just do what the Bible says. And then vote this October. You get your butt out and you vote. Okay. All right. Where was I? Jesus, help me. <laughs> this new sound system is phenomenal. <laughs> all right. For we are not, oh yeah, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. <laughs> all that just to say that. But who are we fighting against? But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. The unseen world. Our battle is not in the seen. Where's our battle? Unseen. You can't see it. So if you can see somebody, they're not your issue. Come on, you got to see that. you got to look at your wife or your husband for a moment. Look at them and look, they're not the issue. Sure, the devil may be using them, <laughs> but they are not the one behind it all. <laughs> oh, praise God. i got to just dig up, Joel. Dig up but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It says, therefore, verse 13, what does it say again? Put on 
every piece of God's armor so that who? You. Say me. So that I will be able to resist the enemy. Oh God, do something with the devil. He's already done what he's going to do with the devil. Now he said, your turn. Whoop him. How do I do it? I resist the enemy in the time of evil. Now notice this, that after the battle, you will be what? Standing firm. This is our fight. I ain't moving. This is what God says. I'm fighting the good fight of faith. I am holding on to the promises that God made. Now everything out here, external, is going to try to get you off of what you believe. It's going to try to get you off of so you're not standing firm anymore. Oh, I don't know if this is going to work. And what happens? You've just lost your firmness. Oh, maybe it does that way. This is what happened to Aunt Sally. Oh, God, it's going to, might happen to me too. And you start going down this train. You're not firm. And all of a sudden we, we cry out, God, where are you? He says, lay hold of my word. Hold on to it. Can you see this? This is the fight that we are a part of. Not flesh and blood. What are we fighting? We are fighting to hold on to what God said, regardless of what happens out here. God's word will always come to pass. He said it. He said he would. Now we got to believe that. So you'll still be standing firm. Next verse. Now notice, what does it say? Here is our fight. Stand your ground. Say it. Stand your ground. No matter what, no matter who, no matter where, I am standing my ground. He says, by your stripes, I'm healed. You received healing. All of a sudden, the devil comes. Did you, re did you really receive your healing? I mean, it was kind of a... I think it was more of an emotional feeling that you may have had. You really like that song, so it could just be that. These little thoughts come to everybody. So what do you got to do? No. And that's my next part. Actually, before we go on, I'll show you where. Go to, let's go to 2 uh, Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 for a moment. It just brings this point across. <laughs> it says, for though we walk in the flesh. I mean, you're walking in the flesh today. <laughs> Thank you. We do not, what? War according to the flesh you are trying to fight a physical problem that you may be experiencing just doing with physical things Jesus said this did he not in John chapter 6 verse 63 the flesh profits nothing the spirit gives life you're trying to conquer a situation by using natural means yeah I mean there's I'm not, if you're thinking even medically yeah there's things that can help absolutely there's nothing wrong with getting natural medical help please do so if you need it do it but the ultimate place to get freedom is through the word of God it's got to be a higher source because what we've taught people is just cope with problems God says that there's something in your life that you don't like change it I think you heard me if there's something in your life that you don't like, if there's a, there's a family crisis, you know, strife going on, if there's something in your body, something in your mind that's not right, God says, cope with it and just do your best. No, He says, change it. How? By laying hold of what you know the promises to be. So, look at this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning they're not natural. This is not how we fight battles, as naturally speaking, but they are mighty to God by pulling down strongholds. Verse 5. It says this, casting down. Everybody say, casting down. Arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, what does that mean? 
Every thought that comes your way, you have to check it. If it doesn't line up with this, the Bible says, cast it down. I want to say this to you. Slap it down. Everybody take that. Just, just slap it for a sec. Slap it down. Anybody hear those mosquitoes in the summertime? What do you do to those mosquitoes or those bees that get around your head? You're sitting there. And if you're on camera, you look ridiculous. But you're just doing this. So the same thing. When these thoughts come at you, what is the Bible telling us to do? Slap it down. No, you can't answer a thought with a thought. You have to speak those thoughts and say, no, 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 that's not my thought. All of a sudden, that temptation comes at you again that you've been dealing with. Or all of a sudden, that sickness, you know, oh, did God really heal you? You know, this is what, this runs in your family. You should be experiencing this on a regular. No, that's not my thought. By his stripes, I am healed. And what are you doing? You are laying hold and you are standing firm to what God says. How long do you got to stand for? Till you see it. Don't quit. Don't give up on it. Even though, because I've had people say, well, I received my healing and the next day they felt it's, it's gone. Why did you let go of it? I thought I had it. God gave it to you. You didn't lose it. The devil, this is the thing that we said last week, the devil is trying to make you think that you are the sick trying to get well. No, you are the well and the devil's trying to make you sick. I'm over here, am I not? I'm in this kingdom. I am the blessed over here. Can I be cursed? No, but my job doesn't do this. It's not about your job. What am I declaring? i got to start confessing, Lord, you are the provider of my home. You give me wisdom. You give me insight on how to make money. That's what we got to be going. You're not here anymore. You're over here. Okay, are we all we're good? I'm getting a little hyper, I know. But I'm just I'm trying to get this point across because people, this is the struggle. This is where things go on. Well, I don't know if I got it. Yes, you got it. You already got it. Grace already provided it for you. So you and I, we have to respond to what grace has already done. By saying, Lord, I believe it, I receive it. I lay hold of what you said. So again, what am I fighting? I am fighting against all thoughts that are contrary to what God has said in his word. If it doesn't line up in the verses, if it doesn't line up in the scriptures, guess what? I can change it. Because God's word is unchangeable. But everything that's out here, just turn there for a moment, last scripture. And team, do you guys want to come up for a moment? I want us, we're going to sing that Raise That Hallelujah song for a moment because we need to take care of some business. <clears throat> but go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 just for a quick sec. And look at this in verse 17. It says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So, verse 18, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. You have to be look good at looking at things you can't see. This is the Christian life. God is calling you to look at things that you actually can't see. Did you hear, did you hear that? This is what we talk to our boys all the time. I say, okay, boys. Where are your two sets of eyes? So they go, okay, here. Where's your other sets of eyes? Oh, here. How do you hear God? Right here. And they'll start hitting themselves. This is, this is how you see. This is the eye of faith. Faith does not look through these eyes. It's, it's, so that's what the Bible says. We walk by faith, not by sight. I cannot be moved by what I see here because if I go by this, it's going to change me constantly. But if I go by what is not seen, that means I want to encourage you, you have got to start seeing with these eyes. What do you see? 
If you weren't able to run before, do you see yourself running? If you weren't able, if your marriage sucks, can you see a strong marriage? This is where the devil's blinding us, right on the inside. We get so caught up with what's going on here that he's actually taken away all vision from the inside. Vision isn't just for a corporation or a church or a ministry. This is the vision of the church. No, there's also personal vision. What do you see? What has God given you? He's given you these eyes to see some things. Do you see, oh, I need some good Christian friends. Are you looking it out here? Or do you see yourself surrounded by good Christian men and women who will stand with you in time, tough times? Do you see that? Because when you see it, then you'll see it. That's how the kingdom of God operates. So the last thing I want to encourage you and I is today, we're in this church. We've got a lot of faith people in here. You need some faith buddies. Thank you for enthusiasm. You need some people that will get around you. And when all of a sudden you feel a little down, you feel a little depressed, you give somebody a call and say, man, can you tell me how loved I am? Oh, man, you are so loved. The love people say you're loved. you got to get people that will come around you and say, you are so strong. You can do all things through Christ. More greater is he that is in you. Man, rise up. You can do this. That's what you need. Because God, even though, yes, we are individuals and we got all left, there are people in this building that are here on purpose don't just kind of go, oh, I've never talked to them before. Get around these folks. Why? Because we believe the same thing. We talk the same way. It's great you got other Christian friends, right? That's great. But do they talk our language, which is the language of faith? Will they say what you see on the inside? Will they agree with you? Or are they going, oh, oh yeah, that's happening. You. Yeah, you're going to die soon. That's not helpful. <laughs> so what do we need? We need to get in the way that... Lord showed it to me. Jamie and I, we were at a conference. Shalina was there too, a couple years ago. And this conference was wild. And man, they started running around the room. And I thought, well, Dave, where's Dave? He's not here. Uh, Dave, the guy that was on the stage, he started singing, Four Crazy Friends. And the emphasis that he was putting on is Mark chapter 2, when all of a sudden, remember the paralyzed man? Remember the story? And all of a sudden, they went to go bring the paralyzed man to Jesus. And the room was completely full. And they said, well, guess it's packed. They said, you are getting your healing. We're climbing up to that roof. We're going to dig a hole in that house, and we're going to lower you down. So because you are getting your healing, you need some crazy people. So let me encourage you. If you are doing life on your own, you are prey for the enemy. Oh, I got this. No, I got this. No, you need strong people around you. You need the church around you to strengthen you so you can continue to go 